Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gamison with the Speaking for Him podcast. We have another great adventure with Christian and Hopeful on their road to the Celestial City. Um, but before I do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what is going on. Well, there is a class at the Potter's House for seniors in their last semester of school called Senior Project. And this week marks the time for the Senior Project oral presentations. The Senior Project takes two different sections. One is a 12 to 15 page research paper. And the second part is the 12 to 15 minute oral presentation. And I had the distinct privilege of being a part of two different senior project classes this semester and watching these students research their topics and put together solid presentations has been a real blessing. And I'm just really excited to see how the second day comes together. This was the first day of presentations. So I'm excited to watch some presentations tomorrow for the second day. So continue to pray for the students as they finish that up and that they will finish their senior year strong. I really appreciate your prayers. I've been so blessed that we've been able to be in school um, from day one of our second semester after a prolonged Christmas break. So God is good, um, and I've just been so blessed to to work with the people uh, that I have. And I was telling someone at lunch today, that it's just been so exciting um, with one particular student to watch their growth from the first year that they came to the Potter's House High School to now their senior year and just see how their confidence has bloomed and, and grown and how God has interceded in their lives. And that's really what uh, this job is all about for me, is just watching God change these young people and, and mold them into world changers. My biggest prayer uh, for seniors when they leave the Potter's house is that they would turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. The next thing I want to talk about is it seems like we've been talking more and more about the prospect of possibly uh, making Washington, D.C. the 51st state. And I actually looked at an article from History.com, the History Channel, uh, where they talked about how Washington, D.C. has a motto that relates to uh, no taxation without representation, which was uh, essentially the re- one of the main reasons that the U.S. broke away from Great Britain because they wanted freedom and not to have to pay taxes based on decisions that a monarch in England made for them. But this motto of Washington, D.C., um, shows a fundamental lack of misunderstanding for the reason that Washington, D.C. is not a state. Um, James Madison talked about in the Federalist Papers why Washington, D.C. should not be a state. And essentially, in modern English, it is this, that Washington, D.C. existed as a federal capital for the United States so that no states would be favored by the president. If Washington, D.C. had a governor and was the 51st state in the union, 
the president would no longer live on neutral ground. And so there would be the possibility or the tendency to favor the state of Washington, D.C. in every decision that the president makes. The purpose of Washington, D.C. being a district and not being a state is so that the president can go from the state from which he came and can, from a neutral area, represent the entire country. And so I think in order to have a proper approach to some of these decisions uh, that are being proposed, we need to have a a fundamental understanding of our history. Um, A lot of times things look good, but when you delve into the history, you understand that the founders knew what they were talking about when they made certain decisions. All right, well, it's hard to believe that it will be only a few short weeks before we reach the Celestial City, and I just want to give my usual shout-outs to the cast today. Um, The cast for this part of Pilgrim's Progress Part 8 is John Bunyan is Craig Apel, Christian is Alex Jacobson, Hopeful is John Wilson, Knowledge is Tracy Bobo. Experience is Katie Buker. Watchful is Dave Dalrymple. Sincere is Samuel Wilson. Ignorance is Allison Dankbrito. Flatterer is Samuel Wilson. Shining One is Allison Dankbrito. And Atheist is Jason Code. And again, Caleb Thiessen, thank you so much for your editing work on this project. I couldn't have done it without you, and I'm really excited to work with you on future projects. Without further ado, here is, speaking from Radio's Theater, The Pilgrim's Progress, Part 8. They went then till they came to the delectable mountains, which mountains belong to the lord of that hill of which we've spoken before. So they went up to the mountains to behold the gardens and orchards, the vineyards and fountains of water, where also they drank and washed themselves and did freely eat of the vineyards. Now there were on the tops of these mountains shepherds feeding their flocks, and they stood by the highway side. The pilgrims, therefore, went up to talk to them, and leaning upon their staves, as is common with weary pilgrims when they stand to talk with any, by the way. Whose delectable mountains are these, and whose be the sheep that feed upon them? These mountains are Emmanuel's lands, and they are within sight of his city. And the sheep also are his. He laid down his life for them. Is this the way to the celestial city? You are just in your way. How far is it thither? Too far for any but those that shall get thither indeed. Is the way safe or dangerous? Safe for those whom it is to be safe, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Is there in this place any relief for pilgrims that are weary and faint in the way? The Lord of these mountains hath given us the charge not to be forgetful to entertain strangers. Therefore, the good of this place is before you. 
I saw also in my dream that when the shepherds perceived that they were wayfaring men, they also put questions to them, to which they made answer, as in other places, as... Whence came you? How got you into the way? By what means have you so persevered therein? For but few of them that begin to come hither do show their face on these mountains. But when the shepherds heard their answers, being pleased therewith, they looked very lovingly upon them and said, Welcome to the Delectable Mountains. The shepherds, I say, whose names were knowledge, experience, watchful, and sincere, took them by the hand and had them to their tents, and made them partake of that which was ready at present. We would that ye should stay here a while to be acquainted with us, and yet more to solace yourselves with the good of these delectable mountains. We are content to stay. So they went to their rest that night, because it was very late. Then I saw in my dream that in the morning the shepherds called upon Christian and Hopeful to walk with them upon the mountains. So they went forth with them and walked a while, having a pleasant prospect on every side. Then said the shepherds, one to another, Shall we show these pilgrims some wonders? So when they had concluded to do it, they had them first to the top of a hill, Error, which was very steep on the furthest side, and bid them look down to the bottom. So Christian and Hopeful looked down, and saw at the bottom several men dashed all to pieces by a fall that they had from the top. What meaneth this? Have you not heard of them that were made to err by hearkening to Hymenius and Philetus as concerning the faith of the resurrection of the body? Yes. Those that you see lie dashed to pieces at the bottom of this mountain are they, and they have continued to this day unburied, as you see. For an example to others to take heed how they clamor too high or how they come too near the brink of this mountain. Then I saw that they had them to the top of another mountain, and the name of that is Caution and bid them look afar off, which when they did, they perceived, as they thought, several men walking up and down among tombs that were there, and they perceived that the men were blind, because they stumbled sometimes upon the tombs, and because they could not get out from among them. What means this? Did you not see a little below these mountains a stile that led into a meadow on the left hand of this way? Yes, from that stile, there goes a path that leads directly to Doughton Castle, which is kept by giant despair. And these pointing to them among the tombs came once on a pilgrimage as you do now, even till they came to that same stile. And because the right way was rough in that place, they chose to go out of it into the meadow, and there were taken by giant despair and cast into Doughton Castle, where after they had been a while kept in the dungeon, as at last did put out their eyes and led them amongst those tombs where he has left them to wander to this very day, that the saying of the wise man might be fulfilled. He that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Then Christian and Hopeful looked upon one another with tears gushing out, but yet said nothing to the shepherds. Then I saw in my dream that the shepherds had them to another place, in a bottom, where there was a door in the side of a hill, and they opened the door and bid them look in. They looked in, therefore, and saw that within it was very dark and smoky. They also thought that they heard there a rumbling noise as of fire, 
and a cry of some tormented, and that they smelt the scent of brimstone. What means this? This is a byway to hell, a way that hypocrites go in at, namely, such as sell their birthright with Esau, such as sell their master with the Judas, such as blasting the gospel with Alexander, and that lie and dissemble with Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. I perceive that these had on them, even every one, a show of pilgrimage as we have now, had they not? Yes, and held it a long time, too. How far might they go on in pilgrimage in their day, since they notwithstanding were thus miserably cast away? Some further, and some not so far, as these mountains. We had need to cry to the strong for strength. Aye, and you will have need to use it when you have to, too. At this time, the pilgrims had a desire to go forward, and the shepherds a desire they should. So they walked together towards the end of the mountains. Let us here show to the pilgrims the gates of the celestial city, if they have skill to look through our perspective glass. The pilgrims then lovingly accepted the motion, so they had them to the top of a high hill called Clear, and gave them their glass to look. Then they essayed to look, but the remembrance of that last thing that the shepherds had showed them made their hands shake, by means of which impediment they could not look steadily through the glass. Yet they thought they saw something like the gate, and also some of the glory of the place. Then they went away and sang this song. Thus by the shepherds secrets are revealed, which from all other men are kept concealed. Come to the shepherds then, if you would see things deep, things hid, and that mysterious be. When they were about to depart, one of the shepherds gave them a note of the way. Beware of the flatterer. Take heed that you sleep not upon the enchanted ground. Godspeed. So I awoke from my dream, and I slept and dreamed again, and I saw the same two pilgrims going down the mountains along the highway towards the city. Now a little below these mountains on the left hand lieth the country of conceit, from which country there comes into the way in which the pilgrims walked a little crooked lane. Here, therefore, they met with a very brisk lad that came out of that country, and his name was Ignorance. What parts come from, and whither are you going? Sir, I was born in the country that lieth off there, a little on the left hand, and I am going to the celestial city. But how do you think to get in at the gate? For you may find some difficulty there. As other good people do. But what have you to show at that gate that may cause that gate should be open to you? I know my Lord's will, and I have been a good liver. I pay every man his own. I pray, fast, pay tithes, and give alms, and have left my country for whither I am going. But thou camest not in at the wicked gate that is at the head of this way. Thou camest in hither through some crooked lane. Therefore I fear, however thou mayest may think of thyself, when the reckoning day shall come, thou wilt have laid to thy charge that thou art a thief and a robber instead of getting admittance into the city. Gentlemen, ye be utter strangers to me. I know you not. Be content to follow the religion of your country, and I will follow the religion of mine. I hope all will be well. And as for the gate that you talk of, all the world knows that that is a great way off our country. 
I cannot think that any man in all our parts doth so much as know the way to it, nor need they matter whether they do or no, since we have, as you see, a fine, pleasant green lane that comes down from our country, the next way into the way. When Christian saw that the man was wise in his own conceits, he said to Hopeful, whisperingly, There is more hope of a man than of him. When he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. What, shall we talk further with him, or outgo him at present, and so leave him to think of what he hath heard already, and then stop again for him afterwards, and see if by degrees we can do any good to him? Let ignorance a little while now muse on what is said, and let him not refuse, Good counsel to embrace, lest he remain still ignorant of what's the chiefest gain. God saith those that no understanding have, although he made them, them he will not save. It is not good, I think, to say all to him at once. Let us pass him by, if you will, and talk to him anon, even as he is able to bear it. So they both went on, and ignorance he came after. Now when they had passed him a little way, they entered into a very dark lane, where they met a man whom seven devils had bound with strong cords, and were carrying of him back to the door that they saw on the side of the hill. Now good Christian began to tremble, and so did Hopeful, his companion. Yet as the devils led away the man, Christian looked to see if he knew him, and he thought it might be one turnaway that dwelt in the town of apostasy. But he did not perfectly see his face, for he did hang his head like a thief that is found. But being once passed, Hopeful looked after him, and espied on his back a paper with this inscription, Wanton Professor and Damnable Apostate. Now I call to remembrance that which was told me of a thing that happened to a good man hereabout. The name of the man was Little Faith, but a good man, and he dwelt in the town of Sincere. The thing was this. At the entering in at this passage, there comes down from Broadway Gate a lane called Dead Man's Lane, so-called because of the murders that are commonly done there. And this Little Faith, going on pilgrimage as we do now, chanced to sit down there and slept. Now there happened at that time to come down the lane from Broadway Gate three sturdy rogues, and their names were Faint Heart, Mistrust, and Guilt, three brothers. And they, espying Little Faith where he was, came galloping up with speed. Now the good man was just awake from his sleep and was getting up to go on his journey. So they come up all to him and with threatening language bid him stand. At this, Little Faith looked as white as a cloud and had neither power to fight nor fly. Then said Faint Heart, Deliver thy purse. But he, making no haste to do it, for he was loath to lose his money, mistrust ran up to him, and thrusting his hand into his pocket, pulled out thence a bag of silver. Then he cried out, Thieves! Thieves! With that, guilt, with a great club that was in his hand, struck Little Faith on the head, and with that blow felled him flat to the ground, where he lay bleeding as one that would bleed to death. All this while the thieves stood by. But at last, they hearing that some were upon the road, and fearing lest it should be one great grace that dwells in the city of good confidence, they betook themselves to their heels, and left this man to shift for himself. 
Now after a while, Little Faith came to himself and, getting up, made shift to scramble on his way. But did they take from him all that he ever had? No. The place where his jewels were, they never ransacked, so those he kept still. But as I was told, the good man was much afflicted for his loss, for the thieves got most of his spending money. That which they got not, as I said, were jewels. Also, he had a little odd money left, but scarce enough to bring him to his journey's end. Nay, if I were not misinformed, he was forced to beg as he went to keep himself alive, for his jewels he might not sell. But beg and do what he could, he went, as we say, with many a hungry belly the most part of the rest of his way. But is it not a wonder that they got not from him his certificate by which he was to receive his admittance at the celestial gate? It is a wonder, but they got not that, though they missed it not through any good cunning of his, for he, being dismayed with their coming upon him, had neither power nor skill to hide anything. So it was more by good providence than by his endeavor that they missed of that good thing. But it must needs be a comfort to him that they got not this jewel from him. It might have been a great comfort to him had he used it as he should. But they that told me the story said that he made but little use of it all the rest of the way, and that because of the dismay he had in the taking away of his money. Indeed, he forgot it a great part of the rest of his journey, and beside, when at any time it came into his mind, he began to be comforted therewith. Then would fresh thoughts of his loss come again upon him, and those thoughts would swallow up all. Alas, poor man, this could not but be a great grief to him. Grief, aye, a grief indeed. Would it not have been so to any of us, had we been used as he to be robbed and wounded too, and in that strange place as he was? It is a wonder he did not die with grief, poor heart. I was told that he scattered almost all the rest of the way with nothing but doleful and bitter complaints, telling also to all that overtook him, or that he overtook in the way as he went, where he was robbed, and how— who they were that did it, and what he lost, how he was wounded, and that he hardly escaped with his life. But it is a wonder that his necessity did not put him upon selling or pawning some of his jewels, that he might have wherewith to relieve himself in his journey. Thou talkest like one upon whose head is the shell to this very day. For what should he pawn them, or to whom should he sell them? In all that country where he was robbed, his jewels were not accounted of, nor did he want that relief which could come from thence be administered to him. Besides, had his jewels been missing at the gate to the celestial city, he had, and that he knew well enough, been excluded from an inheritance there, and that would have been worse to him than the appearance and villainy of ten thousand thieves. Why art thou so tardy, my brother? Esau sold his birthright, and that for a mess of pottage, and that birthright was his greatest jewel. And if he, why might not Little Faith do so too? Esau did sell his birthright indeed, and so do many besides, and by doing exclude themselves from the chief blessing, as also that coward did. But you must put a difference betwixt Esau and Little Faith, and also betwixt their estates. Esau's birthright was typical, but Little Faith's jewels were not so. Esau's belly was his god, but Little Faith's belly was not so. Esau's want lay in his fleshly appetite, 
Littleface did not so. Besides, Esau could see no further than to the fulfilling of his lust. Behold, I am at the point to die, said he, and what profit shall this birthright do me? But little faith, though it was his lot to have but a little faith, was by his little faith kept from such extravagances, and made to see and prize his jewels more than to sell them, as Esau did his birthright. You read not anywhere that Esau had faith, no, not so much as a little, Therefore, no marvel if, where the flesh only bears sway, as it will in that man where no faith is to resist, if he sells his birthright and his soul and all, and that to the devil of hell, for it is with such as it is with the ass who in her occasions cannot be turned away. When their minds are set upon their lust, they have with them whatever they cost, but little faith was of another temper, his mind was on things divine, his livelihood was upon things that were spiritual, and from above, therefore, to what end should he that is of such a temper sell his jewels? Had there been any that would have bought them to fill his mind with empty things? Will a man give a penny to fill his belly with hay, or can you persuade the turtle dove to live upon carrion like the crow? Though faithless ones can, for carnal lust, pawn or mortgage, or sell what they have, and themselves outright to boot, yet they have faith, saving faith, though but a little of it, cannot do so. Here, therefore, my brother, is thy mistake. I acknowledge it, but yet your severe reflection had almost made me angry. Why, I did but compare thee to some of the birds that are of the brisker sort, who would run to and fro in untrodden paths with the shell upon their heads. But pass by that, and consider the matter under debate, and all shall be well betwixt thee and me. But, Christian, these three fellows, I am persuaded in my heart, are but a company of cowards. Would they have run else, think you, as they did at the noise of one that was coming on the road? Why did not little faith pluck up a greater heart? He might, methinks, have stood one brush with them, and have yielded when there had been no remedy. They that are cowards many have said, but few have found it so in the time of trial. As for a great heart, little faith had none. And I perceive by thee, my brother, hast thou been the man concerned, thou art but for a brush, and then to yield. And verily, since this is the height of thy stomach, now they are at a distance from us. Should they appear to be as they did to him, they might but put thee to second thoughts. But consider again, they are but journeymen thieves. They serve under the king of the bottomless pit, who, if need be, will come in to their aid himself, and his voice is as the roaring of the lion. I myself have been engaged as this little faith was, and I found it a terrible thing. These three villains set upon me, and I beginning, like a Christian, to resist, they gave but a call, and in came their master. I would, as the saying is, have given my life for a penny. But that, as God would have it, I was clothed with armor of proof. Aye, and yet, though I was so harnessed, I found it hard work to quit myself like a man. No man can tell what in that combat attends us, but he that hath been in the battle himself. Well, but they ran, you see, when they did but suppose that one great grace was in the way. True, 
They have often fled. Both they and their master, when great grace hath but appeared, and no marvel, for he is the king's champion. But I trow, will you will put some difference betwixt little faith and the king's champion. All the king's subjects are not his champions, nor can they, when tried, do such feats of war as he. Is it meet to think that a little child could handle Goliath as David did, or that there should be the strength of an ox in a wren? Some are strong, some are weak. Some have great faith, some have little. This man was one of the weak, and therefore he went to the wall. I would it had been great grace for their sakes. If it had been, he might have had his hands full. For I must tell you that though great grace is excellent good at his weapons, and has and can, so long as he keeps them at sword's point, do well enough with them, yet if they get within him, even faint-heart, mistrust, or the other, it shall go hard, but they will throw up his heels. And when a man is down, you know, what can he do? Whoso looks well upon great grace's face shall see those scars and cuts there, and shall easily give demonstration of what I say. Yea, once I heard that he should say, and that when he was in the combat, we despaired even of life. How did these sturdy rogues and their fellows make David groan, mourn, and roar? Yea, Haman and Hezekiah too, though champions in their day, were forced to bestir them, when by these assaulted, and yet notwithstanding, had their coats soundly brushed by them. Peter, upon a time, would go try that he could do, but though some do say of him that he is the prince of the apostles, they handled him so, that they made him at last afraid of a sorry girl. Beside, their king is at their whistle. He is never out of hearing. And if at any time they be put to the worst, he, if possible, comes in to help them. And of him it is said, The sword of him that lieth at him cannot hold, the spear, the dart, nor the habergeon. He esteemeth iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him to stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of a spear. What can a man do in that case? It is true, if a man could at every turn have Job's horse, and had skill and courage to ride him, he might do notable things. For his neck is clothed with thunder. He will not be afraid of the grasshopper. The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley and rejoiceth in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear, and he is not affrighted. Neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the trumpets, Ha ha! And he smelleth the battle afar off, and the thunder of the captains and the shouting. But for such footmen as thee and I are... Let us never desire to meet with an enemy, nor vaunt as if we could do better, when we hear of others that they have been toiled, nor be tickled at the thoughts of our own manhood, for such commonly come by the worst when tried. Witness Peter, of whom I made mention before. He would swagger, aye, he would, he would, as his vain mind prompted him to say, 
do better and stand more for his master than all men. But who so foiled and run down by these villains as he? And therefore we hear that such robberies be done on the king's highway. Two things become us to do. One, to go out harnessed and to be sure to take a shield with us. For it was for want of that that he that laid so lustily at Leviathan could not make him yield. For indeed, if that be wanting, he fears us not at all. Therefore, he that had skill said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Two, it is good also that we desire of the king a convoy, yea, that he will go with us himself. This may David rejoice when in the valley of the shadow of death, and Moses for rather for dying where he stood than to go one step without his God. Oh, my brother, if he will but go along with us, what need we be afraid of ten thousand that shall set themselves against us? But without him, the proud helpers fall under the slain. I, for my part, have been in the fray before, and though through the goodness of him that is best, I am, as you see, alive, yet I cannot boast of my manhood. Glad shall I be if I meet with no more such brunts, though I fear we are not got beyond all danger. However, since the lion and the bear have not as yet devoured me, I hope God will also deliver us from the next uncircumcised Philistine. Then sang Christian, Poor little faith, hast been among the thieves? Wast robbed? Remember this, whoso believes, and gets more faith, shall then a victor be, over ten thousand, else scarce over three. For they went on, and ignorance followed. They went then till they came at a place where they saw a way put itself into their way, and seemed withal to lie as straight as the way which they should go. And here they knew not which of the two to take, for both seemed straight before them. Therefore here they stood still to consider. And as they were thinking about the way, behold, a man of strange flesh, but covered with a very light robe, came to them and asked, Why stand ye here? We are going to the celestial city, but... But we knew not which of these ways to take. Follow me. It is thither that I am going. So they followed him in the way that but now came into the road, which by degrees turned and turned them so far from the city that they desired to go to, that in a little time their faces were turned away from it. Yet they followed him. But by and by, before they were aware, he led them both within the compass of a net in which they were both so entangled that they knew not what to do. And with that, the white robe fell off the strange man's back. Then they saw where they were. Wherefore, there they lay crying some time, for they could not get themselves out. Now do I see myself in an error. Did not the shepherds bid us beware of the flatterers? As is the saying of the wise men, so we have found it this day. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. They also gave us a note of directions about the way for our more sure finding thereof. But therein we have almost forgotten to read and have not kept ourselves from the paths of the destroyer. Here David was wiser than we, for saith he concerning the works of men, by the words of thy lips, 
I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Thus they lay bewailing themselves in the net. At last they spied a shining one coming towards them, with a whip of small cord in his hand. When he was come to the place where they were, he said, Who are you? What are you doing here? Your poor pilgrims going to Zion, but were led out of the way by a strange man clothed in white. He bid us follow him, for he was going thither too. It is a flatterer, a false apostle, that hath transformed himself into an angel of light. So he rent the net and let the men out. Follow me, that I may set you in your way again. So he led them back to the way which they had left to follow the flatterer. Where did you lie the last night? With the shepherds upon the delectable mountains. Do you have a note from the shepherds to show you the way? Yes. But did you, when you were at a stand, pluck out and read your note? No. Why? We forgot. Moreover, did the shepherds not bid you beware of the flatterer? Yes, but we did not imagine that this fine-spoken man had been he. Then I saw in my dream that he commanded them to lie down, which, when they did, he chastised them sore, to teach them the good way wherein they should walk. And as he chastised them, he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Go on your way and take good heed to the other directions of the shepherds. Thank you for your kindness. They went softly along the right way, singing, Come hither you that walk along the way, See how the pilgrims fare that go astray. They catched are in an entangled net, Cause they good counsel lightly did forget. Tis true, they rescued were, but yet you see, They're scourged to boot, let this your caution be. Now, after a while, they perceived afar off, One coming softly and alone, All along the highway to meet them. Yonder is a man with his back towards Zion, And he is coming to meet us. I see him. Let us take heed to ourselves now, lest he should prove a flatterer also. So he drew nearer and nearer, and at last came up unto them. His name was Atheist. Whither are you going? We are going to Mount Zion. <laughs> then Atheist fell into a very great laughter. What is the meaning of your laughter? I laugh to see what ignorant persons you are to take upon you so tedious a journey. <laughs> and yet, I like to have nothing <laughs> but your travel for your pains. Why, man, do you think we shall not be received? Received? There is no such place as you dream of in all this world. But there is in the world to come. When I was at home in my own country... I heard, as you now affirm, and from that hearing went out to sea, and have been seeking this city for twenty years, but find no more of it than I did the first day I set out. We have both heard and believe that there is such a place to be found. Had not I, when at home, believed, I had not come thus far to seek. But finding none, and yet I should, had there been such a place to be found, for I have gone to seek it further than you. I am going back again, and I will seek to refresh myself with the things that I then cast away for the hopes of that which I see now is not. Is it true which this man hath said? Heed. He is one of the flatterers. Remember that it hath cost us once already for our hearkening to such kinds of fellows, 
What, no Mount Zion? Did we not see from the delectable mountains the gate of the city? Also, are we not now to walk by faith? Let us go on, lest the man with the whip overtake us again. You should have taught me that lesson, which I will round you in the ears withal. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. I say, my brother, cease to hear him, and let us believe to the saving of the soul. My brother, I did not put the question to thee, for that I doubted of the truth of our belief myself, but to prove thee, and to fetch from thee a fruit of the honesty of thy heart. And for this man, I know that he is blinded by the God of this world. Let thee and I go on, knowing that we have belief of the truth, and no lie is of the truth. Now do I rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So they turned away from the man, and he, laughing at them, went his way. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.